0: The Lumberjacks had it. They just couldn't secure it. Loose. tens has got it. They've got a timeout. They don't use it. Bane. Yes. The
1: Lumberjacks have done it. The Lumberjacks apparently have done it. They'll look a little longer, but this is
0: going to be the biggest win in program history. But this is Bain. He's looking up at the clock. Is the ball out of his hand when that clock goes to zero? Oh, my goodness, yes. it is. Nathan Bain,
1: this is your life. Wow.
0: Hey there, it's Gary Parrish. It's Wednesday, November 27, 2019. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Ion College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting and leaky black. I am sick, so this is the way I'm going to sound. Apologies, Matt Norlander is here with me, and I know I promised Tuesday night on Twitter that we would open Wednesday morning's podcast with Dayton, because Dayton is very clearly about to win the 2020 NCAA tournament, and Obi Toppin suddenly is now in the M.J. LeBron debate about who is basketball's GOAT, but after I tweeted that, something crazy happened. Stephen F. Austin beat top-ranked Duke inside Cameron Indoor Stadium. Final score, Stephen F. Austin, 85, number one, Duke, 83, N.O.T., the Lumberjacks. From Nacogdoches, they were 28 point underdogs, but still won on a coast to coast layup for a player named Nathan Bain, whose family lost everything in the Bahamas earlier this year. I and mean, none of this makes sense. It was the first non league home loss for Duke since February 26, 2000. So the Blue Devils are now 150 and one in their past 151 non league games. That's nuts. Stephen F. Austin was coming off of a 12-point loss to Rutgers. They were ranked 263rd at Ken Palm when the game tipped off, but they won inside Cameron Indoor. So, shouts to Kyle Keller, shouts to Nathan Bain, shouts to the original Stephen F. Austin who died in 1836. He was known as the father of Texas. Now he's the daddy of Duke, Norlander. What in the world happened Tuesday night inside Cameron Indoor?
1: The daddy of Duke. Shouts to Thomas Walkup, by the way, who got this going years ago. I'll remind listeners, Stephen F. Austin has a couple of NCAA tournament wins to its name. Uh, Parrish, you sound like you were <laughs> in the Stephen F. Austin cheering section inside Cameron Nendor last night. This is the greatness of college basketball right here. I'm on like five hours of sleep, was jacked up, uh, totally jacked up after this game. Um Just every a lot has been made about this being the first loss in non conference play for Duke since 2000. I get all that. I'll remind you that Bootsy Thornton, Eric Barkley, Laver Postel played for St. John's in 2000. That was a legit team to me. The more stunning stat is that we're at almost 37 years 37 years, Parrish, since Duke lost at home against a mid major team. That was Wagner in the first week of 1983. We're talking more than, what, 37,000 days or something like that. So, um, so many places we can go with this. Um, first of all, the Stephen F. Austin team, Kyle Keller said, the coach Kyle Keller said after the game, that the team was they were sick. They're like, the, they're like me. They're like me. Yeah, exactly. And,
0: and, and do you want to know who else they were like?
1: Who?
0: Stephen F. Austin himself.
1: Did he... Did he you die? don't know this. Okay. What did he die from? Pneumonia at the age oh. of 43. Gosh. Poor Stevie. The F stands for friggin', you, by the way. The, the, do you know do, do you know what city was named after Stephen F. Austin? I'm going to say Austin, Texas.
0: Correct. But did you know it, or did you just put it together when I said it?
1: I put it together when you said it.
0: Of course. Pretty awesome. I um, read his entire Wikipedia page. I know everything about Stephen F. Austin. <laughs> never married. Never had children. Left everything to his sister, Emily. I think her name was
1: Emily. Shouts to Emily Austin. Okay. Shouts to Emily Austin. (laughs) She's dead, too, now, by the way. Uh, I would presume so. Um, All right. I I jotted down things as this all played out in the aftermath last night, specifically for this podcast. 28-point underdogs. I saw ESPN mention. I don't know if a listener can get this because I have not seen um, the dangling thread here. Twenty-eight point underdogs, the largest upset, the biggest upset in college basketball. I, I didn't, I didn't see in at least fifteen years. I saw in fifteen years. So I'd like to know if it was fifteen or sixteen years ago. What team was a bigger underdog than twenty-eight points that won? It was weird that there was that that fifteen-point cutoff. Those, that, that stat was provided by the Westgate Las Vegas Superbook. So maybe that's all the data they have. But obviously, this is one of the biggest upsets in the history of college basketball. I don't care that it's in November. You're winning at Duke, number one ranked team, Mike Krzyzewski, Blue Devils, uh, all that goes into that, the non-conference uh, home win streak, and you enter the day, you know, on the bo- on the bottom half of the 250s, 260s in Ken Palm. You jump up 42 spots after that. And Nathan Bain... To get uh, Shouts to Eric Collins, by the way, at the top of the podcast. That was his call on the play-by-play credit to the ACC Network and the Fox Sports Regional uh, uh, affiliates. I got it on the Yes Network at my house in Connecticut. This game was actually uh, shockingly available around the country, but I don't know what television contract went into place where it was on like 13 different kinds of networks depending on where you live. Shouts to Eric Collins for that. Nathan Bain, to have – it was – Although it's a very different play, it was uh, Kihei Clark-like in that it's a scramble for a ball at the end of a game, the clock's winding down. Parrish, I, I would love to know your reaction as it played out in real time because when it was a lo- – first of all, the, the play in general, like multiple loose balls, Stephen F. Austin winds up with it. I thought he was going to just – when it was playing out, My as my brain was flashing as this was going, I thought he was going to try and take a tough – runner about from the foul line and that it was going to go long and we'd be going to double OT. Instead, he has the composure, the mental wherewithal to get it in with one-tenth of a second to go. He even said afterward, um, said. I thought I was going to get fouled. So what were you thinking when that play played out? How did you think it was going to go? Well, okay, so
0: we're both watching it.
1: By the way, overtime was 4-2, to two, <laughs> which is just, oh my just barely
0: better then the, please tell me you were watching the Arkansas-Georgia Tech game the night before.
1: Yeah, which also which didn't have quite as absurd of an ending, but um, Parrish, were those the only points that were scored in that Arkansas game, the, the bank? Yes. One of my close friends is an Arkansas
0: graduate, so, I mean, I was watching it anyway, but we're in a group text, and he was like, just, he was insane. Yes, it was, okay, they go to overtime, and it's 0-0 <laughs> for the first minute, second minute, third minute, fourth minute. And, and then finally, Georgia Tech scores to make it 2-0 in overtime. And then Arkansas banks in a 3 at the buzzer. A bad shot, banked in 3 at the buzzer to win that overtime 3-2. It, it happened in the final second. I submit, I, I can't prove this, I'm just assuming it's true. First time in history that a team has won a game in the first overtime after going scoreless for the first 459 of that overtime. I mean, it has to be, right? right? So, this was slightly what we watched with uh, Duke and Stephen F. Austin, slightly better than that, but like barely better than that. Um, okay. So, Duke gets an offensive rebound, score tied, and shot clock's off. And you just assume, I mean, Trey Jones got the ball. It, it's, it's, we watch, we see this scenario all the time in basketball. All the time. You, you, you're going to take a shot late in the shot clock, maybe at the buzzer. I mean, late, late in the game clock, maybe at the buzzer. But one of two things is going to happen. You're going to win the game or you're going to go to an extra period, a, a double overtime in this case. The idea that it's, it's then a turnover and then a loose ball scramble and then somebody comes out of it and is racing down the court by himself like, like a horse running away with the Kentucky Derby. He's just running by himself. I mean, you asked me what was my reaction. I tweeted it. Holy shit! What? <laughs> yes. What in the world? Because because sometimes it, 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 if you're watching a basketball game and Stephen F. Austin's you know got the ball, you go, oh wow, man, they they, they okay, they're they're the ones running down the clock. Mm-hmm. They might really do this, but in the situation we were in with seven seconds to go, Stephen F. Austin winning this game in the first <laughs> overtime is unimaginable. It's not even on your radar. Stephen and Boston winning the game in regulation on your radar because they were up. Stephen and Boston win the game in overtime at certain points on your radar because it's tied. Stephen and Boston winning the game when there's seven seconds left in overtime, not even on your radar. Because Trey Trey Jones has got the ball. I mean, supposed to be the most reliable point guard in the country. Mm. He's got the ball. Duke's either going to win this and get out of there or we're going to – more likely they're going to miss a shot because that's what they do. And we're going to go to a second overtime. And then loose ball, pitched out – he was just racing down the court by himself, and then he. Laid, and I, th- that was my reaction. Nathan Bain, I, I, man. I, I apologize for the language, but my reaction was holy shit.
1: No, don't and apologize. Man. Are you kidding me? I need, I need worse language. I need more profanities. Are you kidding oh, me? Oh, oh, I got plenty more. <laughs>
0: yeah, I got. plenty. Uh, you want my full reaction? Was holy shit. This is gonna really rough up the top <laughs> <laughs> twenty-five. I'm always thinking as, of as it relates to the top twenty-five and one. So. Uh, yeah it was just like what and then you learn the Nathan and like unless you are really like a diehard you don't know who no. Nathan Bain is right. and then afterwards you learn the Nathan Bain story he's from the Bahamas his family lost everything there's a GoFundMe set up by the Stephen F. Austin compliance department or at least being monitored by the compliance department. It went from $2,000 to, as of this morning, $16,000. So, so if you ever want to raise money, just like beat Duke and then start a GoFundMe. People are fired up about that. The whole thing was awesome. And I, I was so happy for Kyle. Like, I, I've known Kyle for a long, long time since he was an assistant. Um, I guess it was at Oklahoma State. And to, to see him have that moment and those kids have that moment, man, um, They'll never forget that, you know, winning that game in that way at Cameron Indoor, inside Cameron Indoor, you'll you'll have that forever. What what a what a great 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 thing!
1: Yeah, the uh, the Nathan Bain stuff. Um, it was under two thousand when the game started. And This was a GoFundMe that had been started, I believe, in September. And the glorious power of social media, okay? Uh, you mentioned 16,000. As we record this, it's more than 20,000. By the time you are listening to this podcast, it could be north of 30,000. This is a kid uh, from the Bahamas. uh house was destroyed. Uh, father uh, at a church. The church was destroyed. And, yeah, I mean, <laughs> your note on just beat Duke <laughs> at Cameron. Get a lot done. You're right. You very much can. And it uh, it, it's just... It's an incredible testament to, uh, to I think people discovering the story and wanting to help, um, but also the fact that it, that it beat Duke. This turned into like the mega sports event of the week, essentially, just insane. And you mentioned Kyle Keller. Couple notes on him. Um, he mentioned it afterward. You know, he lost his mother this summer. It's just been. It's, it had been a rough off season for the Stephen F. Austin program in general. Uh, um, the cameras caught his wife in absolute tears. The visuals coming out of that were unbelievable, and I will give a big shout, Axum to the Stephen F. Austin faithful because they brought a legitimate horde inside Cameron Indoor Stadium. I'm, you know, for a for a road team to take up that much behind the bench of a section was extremely impressive. Kyle Keller also. Just a, a, a little bit more backstory. i'm I believe that he was supposed to be on the plane that tragically crashed for Oklahoma State. Uh, back in 2001 uh, but he had winded up needing to switch at the last minute because Eddie Sutton had wanted him to be on the other plane I think for a scouting purpose or for a recruiting purpose um, he's got actually a pretty fascinating fa- uh, backstory he took over Stephen F. Austin on the heels of Brad Underwood getting that program to levels obviously he had never been before and now you know it's taken a little time but they, they are still a legitimate uh, mid-major program so uh, Everything surrounding uh, Stephen F. Austin that led up to this moment, Parrish, just some of the best of what what sports has to offer. Because they've had real tragedy touch that program, uh, some tough times. Uh, One of the assistants has been battling cancer. Um, C.J. Moore over at The Athletic wrote a a quality feature on that uh, about a month back or so. Um, So, yeah, just... You know, before we get to other elements of the game and Duke in general, I just wanted to, you know, really just take a moment here to uh, let listeners know just how much had been touching that program from a negative standpoint, and and yet karma just whiplashes back in the best of possible ways and gives us uh, the uh, an upset that I just don't see uh, barring another 16 over one, and even that might not qualify. UMBC was a was a smaller point spread favorite against Virginia than Stephen F. Austin on the road. At number one ranked, Duke, this is going to be probably, almost certainly the most shocking upset of the season. I
0: mean, I, I made the point on Twitter last night. I mean, it, it's November 27th. All right? November 27th. The, the season started on November 5th. It's November 27th. And so far, everything I'm about to tell you is true about this college basketball season. Um, the preseason number one lost two days ago to the team projected to finish 14th in the ACC. That was Michigan State losing to Virginia Tech. And that seemed like it was going to be the biggest story of the week. Um, when Michigan State loses um, the opener to Kentucky, Kentucky moves to number one, and then subsequently loses as a 25-point favorite to Evansville. So we've got the preseason number one losing to the team predicted to finish 14th in the ACC. The second week, number one, losing at home as a 25-point favorite to Evansville, which, by the way, if you watch what Evansville done since then? They, they just lose every game. I, I think they, they went on a three-game losing streak immediately after beating Kentucky. Yep. Okay. So then, after Kentucky loses, Duke becomes number one, and now we have Duke losing inside Cameron Indoor as a 28-point favorite to a Stephen F. Austin team that was coming off of a 12-point loss to to Rutgers. I mean, that is college basketball this season. Jay Billis made the point multiple times last night during Virginia Tech-Dayton, and I I think most of us are going to be on board with him on this. There's not going to be a a number one team for seven straight weeks or 11 straight weeks. Uh, Nobody seems to be, outside of maybe Louisville, I I mean, I don't know. Louisville looks good. Uh, But nobody seems to be an obvious, like, best team in the country But even then, like you know, anytime this stuff happens, you get some tweets from people going, well, maybe you guys don't know how to rank teams. Oh, okay, like whatever. Like uh, uh, the number one team losing as a 25-point favorite followed by the number one team losing as a 28-point favorite. (laughs) I don't care how much of a basketball analyst you are. You cannot see that coming.
1: You can't. um, uh, (laughs) I mean, how about this, okay? And credit to to our CBS Sports Research team for this. Uh, In the AP poll era... There's only been one season when four different teams held the number one ranking before New Year's Day, not even in the first month. We're going to get to the first, what, four or five weeks of the season, and we're going to have four different teams hold the number one ranking. We are so far and away uh, beyond anything we've seen before. I saw Jeff Borzello write for ESPN.com. Our buddy shouts to Jeff. I know you're listening um, that there had never been more than one team lose in the month of November as the number one team in college basketball, meaning uh, we haven't had two number ones fall in the first three uh, three weeks in the season. Well, we have that. We've had it happen three times, and now we're going to get a fourth different one. The year that this happened, when there were four different teams that held number one before New Year's Day, was 1987-88. That was Syracuse, North Carolina, Kentucky, and Arizona all held the number one ranking in the AP Top 25 by the start of the new year. Um And Arizona was the fourth team that year to get the number one. That happened on December 21st, 1987. So it's basically three weeks ahead of the previous record, um, if and when it happens on Monday. Uh, It's just bonkers. Again, congrats to Kyle Keller. Wade Mason was the assistant I mentioned who's battling cancer, liver cancer. He's still been active. This story is truly incredible. And and even if Austin has a shot to come out of the Southland, uh, and represent itself in the NCAA tournament yet again. If that happens, obviously the Lumberjacks are going to be a pretty uh, chic upset pick, no matter where they are seated. Again, if they can get there, Kyle Keller mentioned this in the postgame last night, speaking about playing in one big league, how great a win like this is, the kind of schedules you have to go up against, how hard it is for a se- you know a season-long battle for these these coaches. They get these games, these bye games. Side note: SFA got 85 grand to go to Duke and beat them in inside. Cameron Indoor Stadium Um, I got all sorts of stuff here by the way Parish Dan Bonner was on the color call of this game he was also on the color call of one of the more memorable upsets of the past 15 years in college basketball do you remember what it was you cannot be serious with that shot I do know that. Oh, it's um uh, Northern Iowa. Correct. He was the, he was uh, he was at the sideline for CBS when Farouk Minesh beat number one Kansas in the second round, and obviously you remember this, and I think some some listeners will remember it. But when Northern Iowa defeated Kansas and Dan Bonner on the sideline there, as he was on Tuesday night, that was considered like top ten level all time NCAA tournament upset because. Though Northern Iowa had a great seed out of the Missouri Valley, Kansas was the overwhelmingly considered the best team in that specific tournament, and for them to lose and not even get out of the first weekend was uh, was fairly shocking. How about a trivia time for you, Parrish? You ready? Bring, bring it. Because bring it. I know you got some for me. Okay. So much has been made about Duke. 150 straight non-con wins, and now it finally ends. Uh, by the way, that St. John's team... Uh, was a top 10 team at the end of that season uh, with uh, Bootsy Thornton and Eric Barkley, et cetera, et cetera. So that was a really good team that did this. Um, all right, so Dukes 150 is over. That means there's got to be a new team that has the longest non conference home win streak. Do you know? Have you seen who it is? Who's your guess? I know that Tennessee
0: has the longest home winning streak right now at 30 games.
1: Interesting. Interesting. Uh, Okay, so the longest specific home winning streak. Well, the answer is not Tennessee. So non-conference only, obviously. So this team has lost at home more recently than Tennessee, but when it lost at home, it lost against a conference opponent. Um, I'll try and narrow it down for you. First of all, I think if I gave you... It's gettable, but I I think if I gave you 40 guesses, I don't think you'd get it. So it's a weird uh, combination of two. It's It's a team out of the Big East.
0: A team out of the Big East... I'm going to say it's – I feel like Villanova got romped at some point.
1: They got romped last season.
0: Right. Um,
1: Shouts to I'm to go Xavier. Xavier. It's not Xavier, but by the way, this just popped in mind. Furman, Purple, St- uh, Stephen F. Austin, Purple, Evansville, Purple. If you want to take down a big-time program on the road <laughs> and be a mid-major, uh, you might want to have Purple in your scheme. All those three teams but, – uh, but- Wear the violet there. Uh, not Xavier. One more. Not Xavier, but kind of in that geographic region.
0: Okay, so not Xavier, but in that geographic region. Let me look at the teams here. See if I can just pick them out. Uh, um, not Xavier, but it's Butler.
1: It is the Butler Bulldogs. Eagle. That's right. Uh credit to David Woods the beat writer there. Um he's the one who tweeted this out afterward. I was surprised to see it, but yes, Butler um Butler has the streak now. 55 straight non-conference uh home wins uh for the Bulldogs. And, you know, obviously the math is the math. Paris, what's the math on that by the way? Can you tell me off the, roughly off the top of your head, the streak compared to the Dukes? 55 to 150.
0: 55 to 150 is going to be rough roughly. <laughs> It's one third
1: of all right. There we go. (laughs) There we go. We had it. Um, just uh, absolutely. Just I I couldn't I couldn't love this story more, man. Just the the composure of Bain to get the uh, to get the layup. Um, recent other upsets. Uh, nearly as big. We had Gardner Webb, 26 underdog against uh Kentucky when it was coached by Billy Gillespie. Um, in 2015. I do remember this game randomly. Uh, Western Illinois, 25.5-point underdogs at Wisconsin and won 69-67. Wofford, of course, Wofford GP, 25-point uh, dogs at Carolina with Fletcher McGee and Co. That was not last season's Wofford team. That was in 2017. They won 79-75, and then obviously Evansville earlier this season, 25-point dogs. They won 67-64 at Kentucky. What other thoughts you got on this game, If be it Duke, be it big picture, um because, you know, as we sit here now, um, I think one – you don't have to go go here, but the last thing I was going to leave off with this is there's this sentiment that college basketball – you know, Pomeroy tweeted, there are no good teams. There's a sentiment now that uh, college basketball at the top uh, is weak, that, you know, no no single dominant team, et cetera, et cetera. Um, what are your takeaways re- remaining from this game, and, and do you agree or disagree with the idea that the season is going to be, quote-unquote, doomed – to not have, like, one, two, or three teams that are clearly so much better than the rest of the group.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I do, I do agree with that, and I've, I believe that from the jump. I mean, let's just go back to the all, nearly consensus preseason number one, which might not even have a first-round draft pick. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's Michigan State. Mm-hmm. I've, I've made this point on previous podcasts. When the nearly consensus preseason number one might not have a first-round draft pick, that's not normal. Uh, uh, top ranked teams are supposed to have NBA players, and I'm not sure Michigan. I mean, listen, Cassius could end up there, Xavier Tillman could end up there, mm-hmm. but you know, when you do a mock draft, you you probably don't include them in the first round. And so, once you could at least acknowledge that, then you can I, I think acknowledge that that nobody on paper looks overwhelming. Except again, maybe Dayton, maybe Dayton, <laughs> maybe <Yeah>. Dayton, <laughs> maybe Dayton is going to turn be number one and and be forever. But uh, you know, Michigan State is flawed, uh, Kentucky's flawed, Duke is flawed. Um, so listen, I don't think there's no great like somebody's going to be great. The, the college basketball has a remarkable ability of presenting you with a great team. I don't know who it's going to be, but somebody will show themselves to at least have a great body of work. But on paper, is anybody 2015 Kentucky, 2012 Kentucky, 2009 Carolina? It doesn't look like it.
1: And, I I mean, listen, we are obviously, as I stated before, we're in uncharted territory. College basketball has never had a November like this where you've had number one teams losing. And it's not that they're losing all to other ranked teams. Again, Evansville, Stephen F. Austin kind of indicates that. But when we get to – I promise you, when we get to March – we are going to have the teams the teams that are projected to be on one seeds and two seeds when you compare those teams to what teams are on the seven line even the five line the nine line they're going to be better so at the you know if you were to compare this season to a season ago four seasons ago 15 seasons ago might not that upper line be as dominant or as good yeah that's possible but i promise you That when we get to the NCAA tournament, uh, the perception on the one seeds are going to be, all right, it's been kind of a crazy year. There might be a a few wacky losses, but those teams are clearly better. Although I will say this, (laughs) Parrish, if you've got a situation in which all these top 10 level teams keep losing games, I don't know if seed line bumps are in play. Because if everyone's taking these bad losses, they're all going to wash each other out there. Um, But hey. I love this sport. This is awesome. College football can't give us this. NBA can't give us this. Baseball can't give us this. Hockey can't give us this. You just don't see this kind of upset happen in really any other sport during the regular season than college basketball. That's a function of having so many teams. Um, but credit to Stephen F. Austin uh, for giving us a, an all timer And for Duke. I'm not that. Con- I'm not like o- overly concerned. Parish, you'll recall. I wasn't as big on the Blue Devils in the preseason. I still maintain that. I picked them to finish fourth in the ACC. I st- I'll stick with that. I think that's where they're going to land. Um, Trey Jones still doesn't have a jump shot. Vernon Carey had a bad game. You saw what happened. Matthew Hurt played better. But, um, yeah, if you're Duke, you've got some some concerns. There's no doubt about it. The shooting just is not there. But I'll give a credit to Stephen F. Austin for doing what it wanted to do. And it's the number one rated turnover team in the country. So defensively, it did what it wanted to do and pulled out a huge win trivia time okay okay
0: the last time as we noted that duke lost a non-league home game was february 26 2000 the number one song on the billboard hot 100 chart
1: on that date was i knew i loved you by whom okay i was about to say uh the billboard top 100 had i knew i loved you i knew i loved you so, obviously, I love that you're going music trivia time on me here. I would know the artist, right? I did not. You don't? Okay. Because I'm wondering if, it's, if the hook of the song is different than the title. I knew I – is it an artist or a band? I don't know. I what, don't are know what are you it. talking about? I
0: mean, it's a, it's, a, it's, it's a band, but I swear to God, when I looked this up randomly last night, I was like, Who is that? Who is that, and what is what song? I'm, I don't. I didn't even listen to the song. If I listened to it right now, I might recognize it. I did not recognize
1: the name of the song or the name of the band. And this is definitely Billboard Top Hot 100. It's not like some weird. You didn't accidentally click on the wrong genre or anything like that.
0: Dude, don't ask me if I know how to research trivia okay. time.
1: Okay, listen. <laughs> That's insulting. <laughs> First of all, listeners can't see this, but we are we are fa- we can we are looking at each other over FaceTime, So Parrish's face Paris just leaned in right against the camera when he <laughs> said. Dude, uh, I knew I loved you. I, I I, like you say 2000 I'm thinking waiting for tonight Jennifer Lopez like that was that thong song era but so I don't I don't I don't have it you're going to have to <laughs> oh, tell yeah, me. you you know, savage garden oh yeah you don't know savage garden I don't know savage garden Chicken Cherry cola what know Randy savage and i know sound garden no oh. savage garden had some hits man they had some hits in the in the 90s they had um they had uh Anytime I to it Like a Coca cola You don't know that song? A hundred percent Oh, it's been forever They also did the I Know I Loved You Never You know that song Yeah, you would know it If you heard it First of all It actually still kind of slaps It actually still Like that song I think that's called I Want You I think that's what When that song starts It's actually got A a solid groove They had another Even huger hit But Savage Garden Oh, I know Oh, I can hear it now I hear it in my head I knew I loved you before I met you something like well, that anyway how did, how did you know you love somebody before you met them? That's, that's the amazing. whole that's the savage garden way
0: that's the savage garden way in fairness I never met like a lot of people on Instagram that I feel like I could love I,
1: Okay. <laughs> I will give credit <laughs> maybe uh, I'm my own personal savage garden <laughs> all right um i uh I'll give credit to Martin Rickman who also so I tweeted out 13,000 – I think I said it was 37,000 days. i am been mean 37 years. But 13,473 days between Duke losing at home to mid-majors inside Cameron Indoor Stadium. He tweeted out um, – first of all, Mike Krzyzewski was 35 when that happened. So – and he also tweeted out the number one song in 1983. I'll give you the group – I wonder if you can guess the song. So the, mm. the group that had the number one song in 1983 was Hall & Oates. Which, which Hall & Oates song do you think was number one on the charts on January 6th,
0: 1983? Hall & Oates. Um, were they waiting for a girl like you or some,
1: something like that? That is that is um, Foreigner. Well, the, Yeah. Oh, yeah that's... Sing it, Parrish. Uh, no, I will not. I wouldn't sing it under normal
0: circumstances. I <laughs> certainly can't sing it when I can barely talk mm mm-hmm. Um
1: Your Kiss? What uh no. Oh, here she comes. She's a Manny. There we go, there we go. That was the number one song. <laughs> I never sing <seen> before <laughs> I love it. and this is Ooh! And the number one movie, which I've never seen, was Tootsie. Um so shouts to Martin Rick. Tootsie Yeah, I've never seen Tootsie. What?
0: I ain't seen that's Tootsie. not egregious.
1: You've seen Tootsie? Sure. No, that's no, no shot. There's a man dressing up as a woman, right? Uh I think that's Dustin Hoffman something like that. That might be it. Yeah. I I, I I don't I've never seen the movie so I can't remember. But but All anyway, right. um you got any more trivia times related to this game or should we get to yeah. <laughs> should we get, should we 30 minutes into this podcast get to the topic yeah, we I actually thought we were going to yeah, be leading. Let, let's on. I do
0: I answer both those questions.
1: Yes, I have more twer- trivia time,
0: but yes, let's move on. Okay. Uh the the Maui Invitational has been weird last year the top ranked teams in Maui was Duke and Gonzaga they actually advanced to the title game made total sense but that will not be the case this year that's because Virginia Tech upset Michigan State on Monday which was wild and then Dayton beat the same Virginia Tech team uh, by 27 points on Tuesday that was wilder so Dayton is now 5-0 and with a 19 point win over Georgia and a 27-point win over Virginia Tech. And for what it's worth, the Flyers are now the highest-rated Kimpom team in the Atlantic 10. They've jumped 32 spots in 22 days. And I have them number 9. Number 9 in Wednesday mornings, top 25 and 1. So, shouts to Roosevelt Chapman. Shouts to Don May. Shouts to Henry Finkel. And shouts to Obi Toppin, who was spectacular. He got 24 points, 8 rebounds in the win over Virginia Tech. He's now averaging 24 points, 8 rebounds. Um, while shooting 72.3% from the field and 53.3% from three-point range. He has the best player efficiency rating in the nation. It's 43.39. Norlander, are you ready to pick Dayton over Kansas in the Maui title game? I'll tell you that after the break.
1: With a dead cell phone think about those adventurous activities you can do like me taking a ski trip up with the family maybe going on a camping expedition anything and everything learn more about the all-new hyundai santa fe at hyundaiusa.com call 562-314-4603 for complete details dayton kansas maui title game i got thoughts on all this stuff okay first of all I'm kind of annoyed that the title game is no longer the last game of the day. I I, I have a I have a certain comfort, like I guess the most recent one was in Notre Dame did it two years ago, but now Maui and ESPN have decided to put it on like around dinner time, which is fine. But I don't know. It's I think that's a little bit weird. Um, I am, Parrish, I'm legitimately about ready to pick Dayton to win. And beat Kansas. Because one, the season's just feeling like that. Overall, Kansas is on the doorstep of maybe getting that number one ranking. Uh, Louisville's obviously ahead of them. Um, So it would make only perfect sense if Kansas were to lose. Obi Toppin has been terrific. Now, I don't want to shortchange his teammates, though. Because Dayton, on the whole, has looked, in Maui alone, like legitimate top-ten-level college basketball team. They're 23rd at Ken Palm right now with a 5-0 record. Uh, I will cop to having not seen them beat Indiana State, Charleston Southern, or Nebraska Omaha, the three games they played prior to getting out on the islands. But they looked awesome against Georgia. Held Anthony Edwards, who, who, oh, by the way, put up the best single-half performance in the history of the Maui Invitational with what he was able to do, albeit, yes, in a loss against Michigan State. But Anthony Edwards was... Out of his mind good, and yet Dayton shut him down entirely. And then Dayton takes a Virginia Tech team off to only its second 6-0 start in the past 35-plus years, uh, rolling, looking great, and demolishes him. Virginia Tech held to a season-low 62 points. Dayton wins by 2027 overall. Toppin's been outstanding. I mean, I can't say enough good things about how strong he's been, but I think Rodney Chapman has played uh, quite well. Trey Landers, by the way. The Dayton-Virginia Tech game, as the only Norlander on this podcast, I will point out that Dayton-Virginia Tech featured two Landers. You had Trey Landers of Dayton and then Landers Nolly of Virginia Tech. Shout-out to Landers around the world. Um, Really love this team. Like, they could have it. We'll see if they can beat Kansas and and F it, F it. I'm picking them to win. I'm picking them to win, getting a second Maui Invitational. If they do that... They've still got games against St. Mary's in the non-con, Colorado. Those are the two most notable. Even if they split there, um, Dayton could be setting itself up to be, like, one of its best teams ever if Toppin maintains this. It's it's absurd how good he's looked. I think I saw you tweet, Parrish, that, like, he – it was either, what, first-team All-American or, like, player of the year. Like, that's not a joke. If you have been able to watch Dayton the past two days, and you get to see him again against Kansas, and I'll be actually super fascinated to see how Self and his staff scheme for Toppin, uh, because Kansas has been a quality defensive team the entire season, and I include the Champions Classic because it was horrendous with 28 turnovers, but otherwise Kansas has been uh, has been pretty sweet. Um I'll be interested to see how how Toppin plays there. He's had five straight games of at least twenty points. Only a few players in America have done that this season. I am loving the Flyers, and I'm loving uh, I'm loving Obi Wan Toppin. He's been fantastic.
0: It, if if you just looked at the box scores, you would go, "Oh wow, Dayton looks good." But actually, watching them was more impressive than the box scores. Mm-hmm. More impressive than the final score, they looked great. Like when I said they looked great, they looked great. They're Getting good shots, they're making good shots. The topping is unreal. Like, really does look like, and I don't want to get caught up in the moment, but it looks like a candidate for player of the year. I don't want to say he's the best player in the country. He might be. I don't know that. He looked like it yesterday. He 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 might be. Yeah. And, and I mean that Dayton team. I I'll give credit to. I mean, by I don't. I want to remind you, you're you're speaking right now to the MC of the Atlantic 10 Media Day. So, are
1: you going to try and take a little bit of credit for this?
0: No, I'm going to give some people credit. I'm trying. I'm trying to be less. Okay. I'm trying to be less me. Okay. (laughs) Let me be less me. Um, Uh, when I'm preparing remarks for the A10 Media Day, and I would be talking about. VCU and Davidson because those are the two teams that I had ranked in the preseason top 25 and one and those were the two teams that were projected to finish first and second in, in the A-10. Uh, every time Give Kretz shouts to, shouts to Drew Dickerson from the Atlanta 10, he'd say, hey, don't forget Dayton. Make sure you mention Dayton. Make sure you keep Dayton in that conversation because there were people in that league who thought that Dayton was could be a real factor, not only in the A10 but nationally. And now here they are, five and zero, heading into a game against Kent. Cam- I think they're going to win the game too. It, it, I promise you this: if they play like they played against Virginia Tech, they will win the game. They will
1: win. Yes, you are. You are correct. They will absolutely win the game if they if now. Obviously, that's a, that's a tough task. And when you get three games in three days, no matter the opponent, this is the. It's. I love this for, for college hoops in November, and coaches in equal parts love and hate it. You don't get this the rest of the season. Because even the NCAA tournament, you get a, a, a day break between games. Here you got three games in a row, high-quality competition. If Dayton wins, it'll be its first 6-0 start since 2008-2009 season under Brian Gregory. They started 8-0 that season, finished 27-8, and and made the NCAA tournament as an 11 seed.
0: Um, it, it, it's, it's like watching them over the past couple of days has been really, really impressive. And the Obi Toppin story—I'm I, I, assuming people will latch onto it. This is the type of—you know what? It's like the Adam Morrison week. I mean, it, it really is, is so yes. far. Like, like who? Like you and I knew Obi Toppin. I'm the MC of the eighteen Media Day, but most people didn't know who Obi Toppin was. And I saw people tweeting about Obi Toppin last night, who I promise you didn't know who Obi Toppin was yesterday morning. And so, if he goes big against Kansas again tonight. It will be very much like the 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 Adam Morrison Maui um, performance. And then he's got the name, Obi Toppin. I yes. mean, like, get, get out of here. That's terrific. <laughs> so, um, and he's a legitimate NBA prospect. And I'll tell you one thing that's going to help him. Uh, I was texting with somebody last night about this. He, as I mentioned, he's got the highest player efficiency rating in the country. And that, that, that doesn't always mean everything, but it is something. Uh, last year, Zion had the highest player efficiency rating. Like of all time, it was ridiculous. It was of
1: all time, yeah, yeah. Yeah,
0: but but number two, which would have been the best of the past decade, if not for Zion, so it was the second best of the past decade, was Brandon Clark, mm-hmm. and yet he went twenty first in the draft. He slipped all the way to twenty one, and then the Grizzlies traded up to get him. But the reason he slipped to twenty one is that, despite all the productivity, he's a six nine center, whatever he is, right? And people just have questions about that. Uh, undersized center who didn't shoot threes in college, and so people question that. But like, guess who's got the highest player efficiency rating among NBA rookies right now? Brandon, Brandon Clark, Clark, same dude. Yep. And so everybody now knows that they messed up by letting him slip. And you got Obi Toppin, who was like, his story is crazy. Six two as a high school junior. Okay, six five as a high school senior. Now he's six nine. So he was a guard two years, three three years ago. He was a, a, a redshirt, I believe, for academic reasons. As, according to 24-7 Sports, a zero-star recruit. Like, not completely off the radar. Whoa. Like, you can find his name. You can find his name. Wow. But he's got no stars. Zero. Wow. So zero-star recruit who was 6'2 just a few years ago. Now he's 6'9, knocking down threes. He's tough. He's smart. Um. He looks like he looks like a lottery pit. He it's it's a terrific store.
1: I did not realize that he did not. Now that that is in part because listen, three hundred and fifty three teams, thousands of recruits in a in a given year. Obviously, the recruiting services that track all of these players. You are inevitably it's the John Morant thing, right? You are just going to have guys that wind up being good college players who might just slip through the screens and, and get in. But I didn't realize that Toppin was one of those guys. At all. Um, and he wasn't... Like, he was He was solid last season, but he wasn't a top 10 freshman in America. He was good quality at the A-10 level and the amount of growth and immediate impact he's been able to make. You're right. Uh, it, it can be Adam Morrison-like. Weirdly, he's competing with Anthony Edwards, who... Has not been able to win a game, and and again, Dayton was able to keep Edwards just completely in check in that first one. Uh, but we'll, I'm, you know, you got to tune in for the Anthony Edwards show as well, Parrish, because uh, I don't know if you saw all of it, but the second half is all you needed to see. I mean, the stuff that Edwards was doing was, uh, it was absurd. So it's been a great Maui always delivers, and it's been great to see Dayton do what it's been able to do. And even if George is not going to get the wins it needs to get. Edwards put on a display on Tuesday that, in, in my mind, just vaulted him that much further into the real number one overall pick discussion for 2020. We'll see if George is going to be able to win with him. Big picture. And they got Rashawn Hammonds. They got some good talent there. Uh, but, yeah, no, Maui has been awesome, and I'm expecting, hopefully, uh, a Wednesday that can be nearly as entertaining as the first two days gave us.
0: Zion Williamson was the National Player of the Year in the 2018-19 season. Now, Obi Toppin might be the front runner. Guess where he went to high school?
1: I mean, I, that's, an abs, that's, an abs, first, that's an absurd question. Guess where Obi Toppin Don't tell me they went to the same school. That didn't happen.
0: They did not, but okay. you know where he went?
1: Don't tell me he went to your high school. I know he didn't go to my <laughs> high school. No, he did not go to my.
0: Obi Toppin, just throwing it out there, he went to Mount Zion. Okay. <laughs>
1: That's in Ohio, so there we go. Right? That's Mount Zion in Ohio. I don't know where Mount Zion is. Yeah, it's got to be. Yeah, right? No. It has to It has to be. I, it doesn't have to be. You it, said he was it, zero stars. It, he's playing at Dayton. I'm guessing he was not it, coming from Utah or it's Texas. In
0: it's in Maryland. Well, what the hell's going on right now? I don't understand. He's from Brooklyn, went to Mount Zion, and now he's balling
1: out at Dayton. He's got a brother at Rhode Island. Yes, I, yes, I'm aware of that. Yes, there we go. Okay. The Toppin family's running the A-10 right now. To the tops. That's terrible. Oh, behave! <laughs> that's worse. No, that's actually, that's actually miserable. Anyway. so we're both taking Dayton over Kansas.
0: Oh yeah. Okay. Let's do it. Con- considering how we're both terrible at picking games, and then this one I doesn't. Guess the this one doesn't will even count. Hey, we got
1: a Friday and. We have a Friday podcast coming. For everyone that's enjoying this ridiculousness on Thanksgiving Eve, on your travels, hopefully the traffic isn't brutal, the flights aren't brutal. I know there's bad weather across the country here. We're going to have you covered on Friday, and our official picks that we will log, those are coming then. So we're going to pick this game, both going to take Dayton to win, but it's not going on the official tally.
0: All right, before we get out of here, fun game scheduled for Wednesday night's opening round of the Battle for Atlantis. Number 11, Oregon, against number 13, Seton Hall. We talked about this earlier in the week. Um, That's uh, about as good of an opening round matchup as you could get. Um, Miles Powell, Peyton Pritchard. Oregon, I believe, is a a one-and-a-half-point favorite, uh, but total coin flip situation. This will be – I want to make sure I've got the schedule right because um, we could really have a, a, a fun doubleheader, even if they're in totally different events in college basketball today. So you get uh, you get Dayton and Kansas at 4 o'clock, and yeah, then you get Oregon and Seton Hall at, at 4 o'clock Central, I should say. Then you get Oregon and Seton Hall at 8.30 Central. So that's a fun night of college basketball.
1: That's great day. Loaded day. Um Yes, when you get the start of ba- Battle for Atlantis and the conclusion of Maui, um, those are Dayton Hall, Oregon, and Dayton, Kansas, are the two best games of the day by far. You've got some other mildly intriguing ones elsewhere, um, but yes, these are the two best. And for I mean, Maui is the granddaddy of all of the early season tournaments, but um, this season, Battle for Atlantis definitely has it. Uh, when you get a Seton Hall-Oregon in a quarterfinal game, um, that's fantastic. Elsewhere is Gonzaga-Southern Miss in the bottom half of the bracket. The top half has Cole Anthony going up against Kyra Lewis. That's North Carolina-Alabama. And then Michigan State plays Iowa State. So the tournament overall in Battle for Atlantis is plenty of intriguing. Whatever comes about, we'll obviously get to on the Friday podcast. But for these purposes today, right now, Seton Hall-Oregon is the one worth looking Ahead Because Seton Hall only lost by three at home to Michigan State. Uh, we've had some dramatic games. I still think that's the best game of the season so far, considering the quality of the teams involved and the way that it was played, also in a true uh, road environment for the Spartans. Um, this is the second best challenge by far Seton Hall's had. Its other wins are Wagner, Stony Brook uh, at St. Louis, which is no small thing, but they were able to to, to win that easily. And then uh, they're coming off a win against the Florida A&M Rattlers uh, on Saturday there. Um, I want to see if Oregon is able to match Seton Hall. Seton Hall. Seton Hall is a tough team. They're a tall team, long team. I think Seton Hall is better than Oregon. Oregon has yet to lose. Its toughest game so far has been against Memphis, uh that was in Portland. Um James Wiseman famously played in that game. I believe that's the last game Wiseman played in, if memory serves correctly. Uh um, correct. But they've got they've got good talent, obviously Oregon does, but I think Seton is a better team. I'm expecting Seton Hall to win. Uh but this it happened in Maui, it'll happen in Battle for Atlantis, happens everywhere. But this kind of tournament specifically if you can get this win and you get to a title game situation, if you can get out of Maui as the champ, or, uh, out of the battle for Atlantis as the champs, you just do your resume absolute wonders. And credit to John Gasaway of ESPN.com. He did had a piece earlier this week that showed that champions of November tournaments make the NCAA tournament like 80% of the time in the past 10 to 12 years. That's, you know, an outrageously good clip. Now, some of that is obviously if you're going to win that, not you're not just that you're a good team, but usually you're going to be from a power conference, so you're going to have more slack to give in terms of losses. But if you're a fan of any team and you've won any kind of November tournament, uh, just know that the odds are overwhelmingly in your favor that the the floor will not fall through uh, on your team, and you're going to wind up making the NCAA tournament.
0: One point I would make about Oregon, um, they're they're still without uh, five star freshman in Folly Dante. Yes, and you know, their preseason ranking was largely based is a lot like Memphis. It was based on the recruiting class. Whereas Memphis recruiting class. And I know Oregon beat Memphis. Memphis recruiting class is performing like James Wiseman in the three games he played was awesome. Um, Precious Achua has been terrific. DJ Jeffries has been terrific. Uh, the Oregon freshmen aren't doing much at all. And so um, they've got, you know, transfers and, and Peyton Pritchard is obviously experienced, but uh, I, I, you know, just just the the number next to Oregon's name in the preseason AP poll was largely based on man. They enrolled a top five recruiting class. The top five recruiting class is not really doing anything right now, and so who knows? It's a forty minute basketball game. I thought Michigan State would handle Virginia Tech no problem. What so like whatever? <laughs> um, but I I I'd pick Seton Hall to win this game if I had to pick somebody to win the game.
1: Yeah, I think Seton Hall is just a, a little bit better right now. And you're right. Uh, once Infali Dante is able to return, um, he's a fun he's a fun player. Uh, and Oregon will be that much more entertaining Uh, I didn't think C.J. Walker would be this much of a non-factor C.J. Walker was the kind of prospect uh, we both saw multiple times uh, when he was playing on the grassroots circuit Um, he just seemed to be the kind of player that when he got to college not that he'd be like a top 10 guy in terms of freshman overall like uh, viability and, and, and valuableness if you will but I didn't think that he would be this I mean he's 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 not getting on the floor a lot, um, has taken six shots total so far. Um, so I don't know if there's, you know, a lingering issue, injury issue with him or not. But, uh, but you know, as we speak to Oregon, Seton Hall, specifically in this game, uh, you were reading my mind there, Parrish. I just didn't think that um, he'd be as as, uh, as less of a factor as uh, or as, you know, a little of a factor as he's been uh, overall. But So uh, you think about Oregon's top five recruiting class. Yeah. Okay,
0: like the two best prospects in it in Folly Dante and C.J. Walker. And Fali Dante not playing. C.J. Walker is barely playing and doing nothing. Mm-hmm. And, yes, I'm with you. I'm shocked by that. I when, when, There was one game at Peach Jam two summers ago where he just destroyed everybody. And I was like, my God. Yeah. Like, I, at this point, he was a four-star prospect. I was like, I don't, how is that guy not one of the best prospects in the country? He's amazing. Mm-hmm. And he was consistently good there. He eventually, the, the recruiting analyst moved him up to a five-star. He had offers from, like, if he wanted to be a part of the Memphis recruiting class, he could have been. He was offered. Um, but he ends up at Oregon. He's just not doing anything. I'm I'm shocked by that. Chandler Lawson, who is from Memphis, went to Oregon. Um, you know he's averaging five points a game, but he's only averaging five points a game. So I, I just think it, usually if you got a top five recruiting class, those guys are going to perform. And the Oregon recruiting class, in in, in Folly Dante not playing, the rest of the guys really not playing well.
1: Yeah, I I agree. Well, I'm I'm excited. I <laughs> this kind of day is awesome. Um. For those that aren't traveling, I hope that you're able to watch as much college hoops as you can. This whole week is fantastic, but I think the Wednesday before Thanksgiving is my favorite day by far because of the quality of basketball, the amount we have on there. Thanksgiving in addition to football, which we know you'll be watching, uh, actually does offer some games as well. The most intriguing one is Davidson Marquette. That's a 630 tip in the Orlando tournament, only because Davidson, you know, the A-10's been awesome so far this season and we'll get to that on a a, a podcast in the near future, I would think, as long as the league can keep it up. But weirdly enough, for as good as the A-10 has been, Davidson was thought by Plenty to be the best team in the league, it's lost three games. Fell to Auburn, lost at Charlotte, and lost to Wake Forest. And now it's in, like, a, a real urgent situation on Thanksgiving when it has to play a Marquette team that's got questions of its own. So that's actually a relatively urgent game that you might want to tune into on Thanksgiving. But, um, but yeah, we'll be back on on Friday with plenty to talk about. And uh, we thank you for for helping, uh, you know, bring us into your lives here. So it's, uh, it's a pleasure. And, GP, you got... You got everything settled on the home front for Thanksgiving. I know this is your favorite holiday.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I just wake I what here's what I'll do. I'll wake up on Thursday morning. Get some and Taco I'll, bell. I'll look at my beautiful wife and I'll say, uh, all right, what time do we have to leave the house and where are we going? And she'll tell me and then I'll do my best to, to, to be where I need to be. I don't really get involved in the planning. I don't have time for that. <laughs> okay. We I, I walked in the other night after radio, I guess it was Monday night and we've got a friends giving going on. I didn't know nothing about it.
1: Oh my god. I don't even
0: have any friends, so I don't even think about it. <laughs> I don't even have friends. So I don't even it never even occurs to me to have a friends giving. So it was really just my wife's friends. Yeah. But like I just walked right in I don't know what's going on. I don't know. I don't have any idea what's going on in my own life. What?
1: All I all I do is watch obi Toppin. <laughs> we'll be watching more obi topping Yeah, the Friendsgiving thing is like a—it's a recent development. Is it? It's just based. It's just having your friends over and having like a bigger meal than normal. I got nothing against it, but like this has become like a, like a cultural thing in the past decade. Yeah,
0: I didn't need it. I was busy on Monday night. You know, I was tired. <laughs> I didn't
1: I didn't, need <laughs> I didn't need to. I didn't
0: need to see my wife's friends. Not all of them at the same time. I don't mind when one or two of them are here, but I don't need to see everybody because then you feel obligated. Like I really wanted to just, I wanted to do what I do almost every night, which is take my boys upstairs and watch basketball. Hey, I'll tell or, you, uh, or in summer baseball. I hear you. And and then I had to have conversations with people I barely know. I don't like doing that. I'm gonna
1: give Paris a, a quick uh, a quick piece of props here, and I and please do not do your five minute rant again. But I will say, like seven years ago on the podcast, maybe six years ago, we've had a lot of new listeners in the past. You know, six months, one year, two year, three years. Borzello tweeted this at you. I I remember recording the episode. Um, Parrish went on a legendary, like, nine minute rant about how he hates turkey. Thanksgiving is terrible. He should have Taco Bell. And now people think they're being all bold and brave on social media by declaring that turkey sucks. This is the in vogue chic take. You were well ahead of the curve, well ahead of the pack on all of this. You've been vocal about your disdain for turkey. I'm a pescatarian, so turkey sucks as much as chicken. They all suck as far as I'm concerned. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just bite That's into easy. a big hunk of salmon on Thursday, and I can't wait. Stuff salmon, bring it on, right? But you were, uh, you were anti-turkey uh, long ago, and it seems the world has caught up with you.
0: I'm anti-turkey. I don't hate turkey. I don't think turkey sucks. Like, If there's nothing else to eat and there's some turkey there, I'll be like, fine, I don't have turkey. Uh, like, I hate black olives. <laughs> I don't hate Turkey. I just... If I were ranking things, and you're talking not only to the MC of the Atlantic and Media Day, but also the the most recognized ranker of basketball teams in the world, college at least. I mean, who else wakes up every day and does this stupid stuff? I feel like it's it's only me. (laughs) And so if I were ranking things the way I rank basketball teams, I'm not sure Turkey would not even sniff the top 25 and one. It's just... It's an inferior product. And the idea that we spend we we ha- we dedicate a holiday every year and that holiday is built around get with people you love and eat all day long just get 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 with family and just eat it, it, maybe not even get with people you love just get with people that you happen to be related to one way or another and eat all day long and then the centerpiece of that is turkey based on traditions crazy to me when there's so many other things available i tweeted like chicken cuz chicken's amazing um nah. but like it could be anything pizza yeah. Like if you said, hey, we're going we're gonna to get together tomorrow and, and eat pizza all day. I'd be like, that sounds awesome. I'll do that. Hey, we're going to get together tomorrow and we're going to eat uh, chicken nuggets all day. I'd be like, I like chicken nuggets. Do we have honey mustard? Yeah, we have honey mustard. Cool. Let's do that. That sounds great. We're going to get together tomorrow and eat steak. You wanna? Would you like to have a filet for breakfast and a filet for dinner? Yeah, that sounds great. Let's do that. But, like, we're going to get together all day and eat turkey? Like, what are we doing? It's silly. Like I've pointed out many, many times, if turkey, if there was this great demand for turkey in real life, there'd be a turkey bell. But there's not. There's a taco bell. You know why? Because people love tacos. They're not a turkey bell. You can't find a turkey bell anywhere. Like, if there was a great demand for turkey in real life, there'd be a turkey filet. They're not a turkey filet. They're Chick-fil-A. You know why? Chick-fil-A. People love chicken. No turkey Chicken's hut. Good. No turkey hut, right? There actually is a turkey hut. What? I know. I didn't know it either. <laughs> I, t- but I, I, I discovered it. it but the, it's in Houston. There's a turkey leg hut in Houston, Texas. Look it up. Okay? But here's my point. So, Because somebody like thought wow. they were proving something to me on Twitter. Don't ever think you're proving something <laughs> to me on Twitter. You're not. All right? You You might tell me something I didn't know, but you are not proving a point to me ever okay? okay so this guy was like gp there is a turkey because i made the same point if there was there's a pizza hut but there's not a turkey hut this guy goes gp there actually is a turkey hut i was like <laughs> shit i didn't know <laughs> so, so i look it up and you, there is a turkey hut it's in houston but that's it it's it, it, it's one and it, if so if there were like if it was so, like so there was gus's gus's world famous fried chicken started in mason tennessee and then it was so amazing that they have them everywhere now. Everything starts somewhere, and then if it's amazing, they put them everywhere. Well, Turkey Hut's still just sitting in Houston, <laughs> right? If it was a great, if there was if it was a great in great demand, there'd be one in Dallas by now, and one in El Paso, and one in uh, San Antonio. When we went to the Final Four, you and I'd sit down, we'd be like, "Yo, we gonna get dinner tonight?" You'd be like, "Yeah." Uh, where you want to go? And I'd be like, "I don't know. Maybe we ch- check out Turkey Hut." But We never had that conversation. Never. It, Did not it, happen.
1: That so, like, it just boo to turkey. It's dumb. Turkey's dumb. Well, I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful, I'm thankful, for, thankful you. for this podcast. Thankful for the listeners. Hey, listen, for everyone that's listening to this on your commute, if you didn't get to it until Thanksgiving, sincere thank you. If you are able to reciprocate, please, please do rate and review. Give us a wonderful. Th- How about this? I'm going to put this on Parrish's proverbial plate he didn't even offer it but i'm going to say this right now sunday thanksgiving weekend let's do two good apple podcast reviews we know you can do it when you're slipping away from the fam or your friends and you're watching some hoops or some football just bring it up on the phone bring it up on your computer rate it five stars Leave us a quick comment why you're thankful, why you like the podcast. We love doing it for you. And, again, we will have another episode coming for you on Friday. So whether you're at home, traveling back to wherever you need to be, we're going to have plenty of college hoops to talk for you. We got you covered. Shouts to
0: Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Terry MF and Tigo. He's a legend. Shouts to r Like Norlander said, please go subscribe to Our college basketball podcast via Apple Podcast, Rate it favorably. Five stars, leave a nice comment, and yes, it's true. We're going to talk to you again on Friday. Till then, take care. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it.